Prime Minister Anthony Albanese defends his changes to tax rates and announces an inquiry into supermarkets. Domino's Pizza downgrades and its share price plunges. And Tesla is hit by falling sales. Welcome to Fear and Greed Business News, Australia's best business podcast. It is Friday, the 26th of January, 2024, Australia Day. I'm Michael Thompson, and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Michael. Sean, with many people taking a public holiday today, the show is just just a touch shorter than normal, but we will be back to normal come Monday with a full show, a terrific interview for investors, and of course, the week ahead with our resident economist, Stephen Kukoulos. And we do have an interview today as well, Sean, and it is well worth a listen. You're speaking with Qian Wang, who is Vanguard's chief economist for the Asia-Pacific region. Yes, what we did, we took the opportunity, China is based in the US, we took the opportunity to have a look at how some of the big economies around the world, so think USA, think China, think Europe, how they're performing and what that means for investors. So it is definitely well worth a listen. Yeah, it certainly is. It's coming up after the show. The main story this morning, Sean, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has defended his changes to tax rates and broken election promise, saying the measures are akin to the emergency response needed during the COVID pandemic. Hmm. At a speech at the National Press Club yesterday, Mr Albanese said the broader and better tax cuts are not the beginning nor the end of changes. Alterations to the tax rates were announced officially yesterday. Of course, legislation is needed to alter the so-called Stage 3 tax cuts to allow what the Labor Party wants to do to take effect. The new arrangements skew the benefits towards low- and middle-income earners. Everyone earning up to $146,486 will receive a larger tax cut than under the existing package, while those above that level will have theirs pared back. The federal government spent the day selling its new tax package knowing that eight in nine taxpayers will actually be better off under the new deal compared to the legislated stage three tax cuts. That's a pretty good selling point. We talked a fair bit yesterday about the the political ramifications of all of this, Sean, so we'll leave that to one side for now. What about the economic implications? Well, Treasurer Jim Chalmers yesterday said the Reserve Bank Governor Michelle Bullock told him that the changes won't add to inflation. He said the government had changed its position to better assist households hit by cost of living pressure. And then Treasury advice was released later in the afternoon. It shows the redesigned stage three tax cuts as cost of living measures for middle Australia, the group that's been hit hardest by soaring interest rates. Treasury says the redesigned tax cuts will cost an extra $1.3 billion over four years, which isn't actually much money. In fact, Treasury says it's broadly revenue neutral against the existing plan. As such, that won't pump any additional money into the economy and not put any more pressure on the Reserve Bank to hike interest rates further. Maybe. That's what Treasury says. I think we'll have to wait and see if they're right. All right. How did local markets perform yesterday? The S&P ASX 200 closed up half a percent to 7,555 points with the materials and energy companies leading the way. Healthcare stocks also outperformed while the real estate investment trusts and tech stocks were the laggards. Among the large caps, West Farmers was up a couple of percent. The banks were mixed and Wisetech Global dropped two and a half percent. In corporate news, Instatech Pivot's share price jumped to five percent after the fertilizer manufacturer unveiled plans to return half a billion dollars to shareholders. Energy giant Santos said it has increased the budget for its troubled Barossa gas project by as much as 300 million US dollars. And ResMed's second quarter results showed year-on-year revenue growth of 12%. 
that helped push up its share price 6% yesterday. And what's happening in international markets? Oh, a fair bit going on. Remember at the, end, at the beginning of the week, we we're talking about all these central banks making decisions and things like that. Well, that's all coming to fruition at the moment. Uh, the Bank of China yesterday announced it will make it easier for banks to lend money. That helped the iron ore miners. The Bank of Canada, that's the, that country's central bank, met and left their official cash rate on hold for the fourth consecutive meeting. South Korea's economy grew by 0.6% during the December quarter. We found that out yesterday. Oil rose to near a one-month high after U.S. crude inventories dropped more than expected and China announced that stimulus. Wall Street hit yet another high yesterday, another new high, and the Aussie dollar is largely unchanged, trading at just under 66 U.S. cents. All right. It might be a public holiday, Sean, but we still have a bit to cover today. We'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, Domino's Pizza, the once dominant player in the market, yesterday delivered its fourth downgrade in three years, sending its share price plunging 30%. Yeah. Domino's share price is now about one quarter of what it was in the midst of COVID when the group was busy expanding stores and benefiting from everyone eating at home because they couldn't go out. Well, the good times are well and truly over. The catalyst for the massive sell-off yesterday was that trading update, released three hours after the market closed, never a good sign, and it said that earnings for the second half of 2023 will be less than a year earlier thanks to falling sales in Asia and Europe. Japan, Taiwan, Malaysia and France have all been tough markets for dominoes. The previous update at the group's annual general meeting in November last year, not that long ago, was much more upbeat. Basically, investors are losing some confidence in the company, and that's putting a lot of pressure on Don May, the CEO, who's been in that job for 21 years, including the complete period since it was listed back in 2005. The major shareholder is rich lister Jack Cowan. Yesterday, he would have lost hundreds of millions of dollars in that share price plunge. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese has asked the consumer watchdog to conduct a 12-month inquiry into the supermarket industry following claims of price gouging. The inquiry will look at how things like online shopping, loyalty programs and changes in technology are impacting competition in the industry and it will examine the difference between the price paid at the farm gate and the prices people pay at the checkout. Albanese said it was pretty simple when farmers are selling their products for less supermarkets should charge Australians less. The government will fund consumer organisation choice to provide clear and regular information on prices across a basket of goods, which the Prime Minister says will promote transparency, enhance competition and drive value. A basket of goods, Sean. Mm. I just, I, I, I mean, we use that term fairly regularly. Right, it's but, an economics term, yeah, and and I know that, and I, I but I always kind of picture it as one of the green baskets, you know, that you use oh, in totally. Woolies or or Coles. Mm. I mean, it's, yeah. it's exactly that. But I was while you were talking, I was just quickly googling on the uh, Bureau of Statistics website um, mm. for some info about what is actually in this basket of goods, ah. and it's really. It is really interesting as to how they decide kind of what's going to be in it. It's it's like they must be representative of purchases made by the the kind of population group. They must have um, prices associated with a specific commodity or service. And so they talk about like, for instance, a 420 gram can of baked beans or 
adult general admission to a club football game. And so things then that can also be kind of easily compared. I love this bit though. They do not exclude items from that basket of goods based on on moral or social judgments. It uh. says, for example, some people <laughs> may regard the use of tobacco or alcohol as socially undesirable, but they're both included in the CPI yeah. basket because they are significant items of, of household expenditure. Isn't that fascinating? The basket of goods. Here I was just, I was going to make just a bit of a wisecrack about it being kind of what's in there. Have they got my hair product in there? And, and no, and instead, I've actually delivered a bit of a useful lesson. Totally. Amoral basket of goods. Mm. I like it. Yeah. I mean, it's a little basket of sin, isn't it? Well, it could be. I mean, yeah. in your case, it might be. And many others, it wouldn't be. <laughs> I think that's the point the ABS is making. They're not actually going to have any bias towards people who don't have a basket of sin or against people. No judgment. No judgment. Put whatever you want in your basket. There is no judgment here. We're a very free and open society. Indeed. Sean, uh, another day, another lithium miner cutting costs, this time at Sayona Mining. Sayona has cut staff in its Quebec operations. It's reviewing that business. Its share price fell 9% yesterday. It joins a long list of lithium miners to either cut costs or announce projects to reduce expenses. Pilbara Minerals on Wednesday warned that the slumping price of the metal means there'll be no dividend for shareholders. Call Lithium earlier in the week said it will cut a number of roles and suspend operations at a mine near Darwin. Lenders to Liontown Resources withdrew a $760 million loan on the back of those tumbling prices. Now, lithium's price fell 80% last year. It's a metal used in electrification, but it suffered from a glut of global production just as demand weakens. Now, there was some good news in the sector. Mineral resources shares jumped 7%, one of the best on the market yesterday, after it kept its volumes and cost guidance unchanged for this fiscal year. Minres said its three mines in Western Australia remain profitable despite the tumble in those lithium prices. It was better news, Sean, for the iron ore miners with the price of ore rising above 135 US dollars a tonne. You mentioned this earlier after the governor of China's central bank hinted at an easing of lending standards for banks in the country. The big three miners, BHP, Fortescue Metals and Rio Tinto, all closed up in the 2 to 3% range thanks to that announcement out of Beijing. Also yesterday, Fortescue provided its quarterly production report, which maintained its full-year guidance after the miner shipped near record levels of ore in the first half. Fortescue received better-than-expected prices for its iron ore in the past three months, but the miner will need to spend more on repairs at its iron bridge magnetite project. Now, Sean, turning to international news, Tesla has warned that sales growth is slowing and that's hit profit margins as the world's second biggest EV manufacturer cuts prices and offers incentives to boost demand. In its fourth quarter earnings report to Wall Street yesterday morning, Tesla said volume growth will slow in 2024 and that sent the share price of the world's most valuable car company lower. Tesla said lower raw material costs and US government credits helped lower cost per vehicle, but, and I love this part, cyber truck production, AI and other research has increased costs. I mean, if you're going to have an increase in costs, it may as well be on cyber trucks. Anyway, in the US, Tesla cut prices throughout last year, reducing the price of the Model Y, its most popular vehicle, by as much as 26 or 27%. The company managed to hit its 2023 deliveries of 1.8 million cars. However, it did lose its spot as the top EV maker in the world by sales in the fourth quarter of last year to China's BYD. 
Finally, Sean, British billionaire Joe Lewis, whose family owns English Premier League football club Tottenham Hotspurs, has pleaded guilty to securities fraud charges, resolving an insider trading case in which prosecutors accused him of tipping off pilots, personal assistants, and romantic partners about companies in which he invested. This story had it all, didn't it? Uh, it did. It did. The only thing, you've made a slight mistake in that any Spurs fan will tell you, like our producer, Luke, told me, it's Tottenham Hot Spur, not Hot Spurs. There you go. Really? I'm a Spurs fan. I am a Spurs fan. I had no idea it was Tottenham Hot Spur as opposed to I'm obviously not a close enough fan. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, you can't declare yourself to be a fan and then say, I've been making this mistake. You cannot be that good <laughs> That's a fan right. then. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great story, though. The 86-year-old Lewis pleaded guilty to three felony offences during a hearing in federal court in Manhattan, and his sentencing is scheduled for the end of March, according to the Wall Street Journal. Broadbay Limited, an investment firm owned and controlled by Lewis, also entered a guilty plea to a single count of securities fraud and agreed to pay $50 million US million in penalties and serve five years of probation. The US Attorney's Office in Manhattan in July charged Lewis with 19 criminal accounts, alleging he shared inside information as a way to give gifts to friends and compensate his employees. There's still some sorting through of these charges. Lewis came to the US voluntarily to surrender. He was released on a $300 million US dollar bond, $300 million US dollar bond. How do you secure that? What sort of collateral do you have? Oh, he just offered up his yacht and his private plane and off they went. <laughs> I said it at the start of that story, Sean. It has absolutely everything. everything. And he finished off with a yacht and a private plane. So mm. it just ticked every single box I could think of. All right. Up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview. You are speaking today with Chian Wang, who is Vanguard's chief economist for the Asia Pacific region. She is, and we talk all about what's going on in the global economy, particularly those big markets, US, China, Europe, etc., and what it means for investors. Yeah, it's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Michael. It's Friday, the 26th of January, 2024. Make sure you're following the podcast and please join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, X and Facebook. I'm Michael Thompson and that was Fear and Greed Business News. Have a great day.